Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's a movie podcast where at night everything comes alive. <laughs> That's us. Everything comes we do alive. It. We're recording at night tonight. We did it as a special honor to celebrate A, no more pies. B, everything comes alive at night. So did you hold true? Did you sleep all day? Like a wax doll? Uh, yes, much like a wax doll, I, I was in stasis all day, just rigid wax, holding a, a designated pose, in this case, a saber above my head. Oh, you chose that one. Well, Robin Williams, look, the genie is free. Let's be real. It was emotional to watch the genie in this because I thought, you know, if you die in a particularly sad way, I think they should destroy all of your movies so that it doesn't make you sad when you watch them later. Yeah, I mean, I personally have a a pretty high amount of hatred towards him, so I don't care. Did you notice how they, they let Robin go off in one scene? And I was asking people, you know, how, when you shoot a movie like this where Robin Williams is ostensibly playing a straight character for 95% of the movie and in yeah. one moment gets to do a bit of a, a, a little run, like, do they let him every take? Wait, which scene are you talking about? Which Which business did he do? When when uh, Sacagawea is melting Teddy Roosevelt back together, he starts doing like a little meat boop, scabadoo, scabadoo meat boop. Okay, so I think that is that a deleted scene? Because I was like, I I was a little bit sleepy when I watched it, so I was just like hitting all the high points of the the uh, just on the Wikipedia synopsis, and it also mentioned that you see the three amazing old men. Bill Cobb, Andy Rooney, Mickey Rooney, excuse me, sorry, Andy, uh, some white guy erasure there, uh, and uh, the great Dick Van Dyke, uh, who is delightful in this. Dude, that I, I want to, I'm going to finish my point because I do this a lot where I just like forget about points. I'm, I, it says in the at the very end, the last sentence of the Wikipedia is that they become janitors, and I don't remember that. I rewatched the end. I still don't know where it does that. So no, I think, that's during the during the credits. We see them mopping up the foam mm. from the neanderthals party where they were just chugging foam fuck and i'm like chugging foam what is this my days in the frat at beta house but i i have no recollection he mentions i remember the line where he says when sacagawea like turns him back into hot wax and i was like hubba hubba look who among us has not been turned to hot wax by the confident touch of a beautiful woman have you so you actually see the scene where she waxes him yeah, I think you just missed this, but like, the, and Maybe. he does like a. I'm not sure he's doing some Robin Williams bit where he's just like, Ugh. you know, scabadoo, 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 scabadoo. I would have remembered that. Well, I was asking people, do you think they let him? They just let him go off in this one moment. And my friend Joe, shout out to Joe Yannick, he was like, "No, I guarantee you, every single scene he's in, they just let him do that, and then only kept one, Amazing. knowing that you can't really say no. I don't think." You can say no to Robin Williams at this point. Like he, he's no. well into his legacy moment at this point. Also, Judge, I've learned for his entire career that you can't say no to him because he's a fucking misogynist piece of shit. What, now, what are you referencing specifically? Just the way he treats women. I watched this documentary on HBO that was like showing how reverential he was. And even in that documentary, they basically just cut out all of his terrible shit in life. He still comes off as a rotten asshole all the time. He's selfish. He does whatever he wants. He... He's just this, like, really uh, – he's so desperate. He's he's honestly sort of like Trump in a lot of ways. Less orange, of course. When do you think as a community we'll stop having to hear about Trump? Like, when can we move past that? No, he's it. He is uh... – he's the, he's the apex of a certain American moment that is just unavoidable. I mean, that, that I th- feels like a win for him. I think 30 years – 
That's awful. Because like he's basically another nine eleven, and like we really only stop. I mean, we never stop talking about it, Josh, because it is basically a part of the show. It is one of the steel beams in the structure of our one of our twin towers. I would say in, in, intrinsic. Which twin tower would you be? Oh, south for sure. Intrinsic to the identity, like deep within the Mobius strip DNA of of when will it end the movie podcast where we watch the movie starting with the first night at the museum and continuing all the way to the third and final night wow. at the museum until Disney plus finishes its remake, which it's working on right now. Um, huh. I would say nine 11 and the trauma of uh, Islamo fascism is the core of what this podcast is about. We're both NATSEC dorks. You know, we love talking foreign policy. Mm-hmm. We think we, we have to be bullish on Iran mm-hmm. and open to Saudi Arabia. Sure. And yeah, so, you know, honestly, if you're listening to this and you're anything less than a hawk, fly off, Dove. We don't need you here. So I can't really speak too much to Robin Williams other than I know he's married like six times and his wives in that one documentary were like, they were on there and they talked a little bit, but you, I don't know, you could just feel something. But I don't remember enough, and I'm sorry. Well, it's like it's like Bill Murray who has some domestic violence in his yeah, past. So there's that some whole like crew. some people have really earned this lifetime pass, even when it's like there's things that we look past so deliberately. And then Rob Williams dying the way he did, and it is of course you know untreated mental illness and degenerative illnesses. Like that's you know that's very sad. But like in addition to his beloved stature, the tragedy of his end I think has further insulated his legacy from any serious examination yeah so like that was the thing this movie was like it's like skirted so many terrible subjects that he was involved in because they still had to make this beautiful tribute to robin williams and they really had to try hard to just be like oh yeah there's a scene of him like being real trash but there was only there was one moment with billy crystal that i did cry during because their friendship was fucking beautiful and he tells this really sad story about him dying or something. And it's just like, we're wow. kind of like the Billy Crystal and Robin Williams of podcasting. Cause I'm Jewish and annoying and you're a problematic goy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wow. So what should we do with that? Should we make a, were they, did they what movie were they in together? Did they make any movies let's together? Just, or are they let's just, just stick with the, the murder suicide pact. Um, but what I do want so to say, I wanted to point did, out that, go ahead then. What? Okay. I just want to say Robin, that, Oh I God! Just, you can't go ahead. say go ahead then, and then let me say. But you it. also you really got to pick a lane. You got to pick a lane. Okay, I'm just going to say on the subject of dead people that it's very hard to watch, and like you sort of understand why they're so beloved. Dick Van Dyke is beautiful. His from his laughter to everything about him, his deep voice. I just remember watching the Dick Van Dyke show on TV Land when I was a kid, and it just brought me back to. Just like what an amazing actor! Just when you didn't well, have th- to... that credit sequence that 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 Pratt Folly does when he trips on the ottoman. I mean, just yeah. like he he was the kind of guy who would just hurl himself into everything. And in this movie, when spoiler, <gasps> Dick Van Dyke is actually not our friendly grandpa, but rather our mean, curmudgeonly grandpa. <laughs> he throws himself into being a villain and delightfully. Yeah, it's so you know? good. You believe it, and he's just like he's so giddy, and his laughter is used a bunch. He's got a really solid fake laugh that i i can't imagine is not real somewhere but okay so i want to before we get too far off this i wanted to note that robin williams a beloved american icon with a problematic history is uh brought into service to play a beloved american icon with a problematic (laughs) history which i thought was very interesting because teddy roosevelt is a really really complicated figure yeah he's one of the rare american archetypal 
visions that that actually manages to incorporate incredible good and unbelievable shittiness into one complex package because he was a champion of progressive politics. He was so far to the left by today's standards that he would he makes Bernie Sanders look mild. He you know actively pursued co- controlling corporations. He was a, a voracious advocate for environmentalism. He, he his his vision of America was actually something that in 2020 we would kill for, especially with the election of a you know moderate Republican like Joe Biden. We know it's like politically speaking, uh, Teddy Roosevelt was a woke bay, but on other issues, namely Yikes. being. Uh, and certainly, look, America is a racist imperial entity. So this is not like Teddy Roosevelt thought of these ideas. But as a man very much of his time, he was very racist. He had a very imperialistic, you know, pro-war attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really shitty. And I think the the choice of having even fake Teddy Roosevelt, because they have their, their cake and eat it too, where he's both Teddy Roosevelt but <laughs> yeah. also fake Teddy Roosevelt – like the like pairing him up with Sacagawea when he had a very oh, you know his God. take on Native Americans was again uh, nauseating but of its time where they were like where, right. where people were like yeah they're gonna die off fuck them they can suck a dick fuck you like just the, this this horrible you know and and certainly in line with many American presidents um, so so it's weird that they do a little bit of uh, repaving of the Roosevelt legacy. Because especially the Sacagawea thing, if you have any familiarity with you know his history with Native Americans, it's it's pretty pretty at odds with his actual life. Yeah, no, it's it was that is one of the reasons why I didn't really like this movie in a lot of ways. There are some, definitely some things to like about it. It's a mixed bag, I guess, sort of like uh, Robin Williams and Roosevelt. These these metaphors and similarities just continue onward, but. Things like that, seeing fucking just Christopher Columbus in anything is just appalling. Seeing um, an old white imperialist piece of shit that murders Native Americans ogle a beautiful, silent woman through glass the whole movie and then fall in love with her for no reason at the end. The like the, the like pan, like the strangest choice to have a till the hun in it. And then speaking yeah, so Hun that, is just screaming is, syllables. That bit is quite racist and was – none of that really worked, which so was yeah, a bummer. It's weird. Like that, but that's the problem is when you have a movie about history and you don't really – and it's a, this is a Disney movie, right? I don't think so, no. No? Was okay. it? I don't know. I didn't notice the iconic Disney opening. You're right. So. No, I don't think so. It's a uh, – I'm not sure what studio this was, but it felt like it just – it didn't – it felt like it was based on a kid's book about history where it's just like, oh, history is so grand. You just must learn it. Otherwise, you will be condemned to repeat it. And then you don't actually learn history. You just see big figures that you don't know anything about. But but let's get down to brass tacks here. All right. Ben Stiller comes out against slavery in this movie, which I think is <laughs> brave. Hey, that's that's more than um, brave the hero of, of uh, what, John Carter? Yeah. Um, they, John Carter, the titular John Carter, doesn't really – clear up his personal stance on slavery, which is we can infer is pro because he was a Confederate hero, which they never really deal with in the movie. So so talk about a franchise that never got off the ground. Um, By the way, you might know Mars as Mars. I I do. I know it as as Barsoom. Wait, what? And the Red Planet. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is a kid's movie. And and from that vantage point, I think – well, one, I, I, let me just clear the air. Thank Christ we're no longer in East Falls, Michigan. We have Ugh. broken out of the orbit of 
American Pie. So just to see a movie that is ultimately wholesome is nice. And yes. I think that, look, it's a slam dunk idea. Who doesn't go to the Natural History Museum and be like, right. imagine this? Sh-? Like, it's just like, a, I mean, it's it's a little weird that it's not more successful given how strong the premise is. Wasn't it like the number one movie of the year or something crazy? I'm not talking about its performance. I'm talking about oh. it doesn't, it's not a, this is not a classic movie. And it feels like it should be a slam dunk. Well, I think I think the reason why it isn't a slam dunk is that when you watch it as an adult, you realize that there's barely a plot to hold together. It's just the same old, like, it's basically if Greenberg took place in a fantasy museum where it's just like a sad man who's trying to get his life together, finds the magic of history. Right, but but Greenberg owns because Greenberg is a huge piece of shit and he fucking sucks and that's the point of the movie and it's awesome. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, this, this is about a guy that sucks and rather than just, like, really sucking it's ben stiller doing the same sort of like oh pity me oh this sucks but then he like actually finds the magic of history and teaches his son the magic of history and um well i think it's more about the magic of i think it's more about his son believing in and seeing him succeed at something but i just sort of like saying the magic of history yeah i think maybe you've gotten out of your system we can just move past that in general maybe we'll find out i i like that this is about a divorced dad i like that they show like uh a divorced family with a genial enough relationship anything that sets up paul rudd coming in uh paul rudd a real ray of light in this movie i didn't know he was in this me neither and i'm gonna offer a connection so i think i'm sorry to talk about marvel movies but i think this is ant-man and this is a different just hear me out ant-man is a divorcee with a child and his wife also has a nice but sort of you know not he's a nice everyone's very happy with each other paul rudd and ben stiller don't they're not mad at each other he sort of makes okay fun so, of his so belt. you're saying like an american president to west wing it's weird because martin sheen plays the vice president he plays the leo character and then switches for West Wing, and this and this Ben Stiller is Ant Man, and Paul Rudd is Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, and yeah, and then okay. Nick is is whatever her name is. Is Nick? Is it Nick Barrett? Larry? What's I don't know anyone's names. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have even tried. This movie, so I mean, they they say Larry a lot, so I remembered his name. That's about <laughs> sure. all I got out. But of But he's this. got a son uh, named Nick, maybe. Yeah, sure. Who cares? The kid. Who gives a he shit? He was good, dude. The, the kid was great. The kid registered disappointment in Ben Stiller. Like, I think many of us were disappointed in Ben Stiller's film career, ultimately. I, I want to say that Rami Malek, they shoot it like it's stunt casting, but this is so long yes. before he, like, rose to the heights that he's achieved. Yeah. Um, I, I, I only know him, really, because Amy started watching that show about robots. Mr. Robot. I've never yeah. seen it. Me neither, but she loves He's him. a hacker guy, I think. He wears a lot of black sweaters. Yeah. Um, and then he's he sort of popped up in other movies and stuff. But this is way before he got famous. And I do, I love that you think, I don't know, maybe I'm just confused. But I saw, you know, you see a mummy. Mummies are usually bad guys. You see this this magic plaque on the wall. I was like, when this mummy gets out, shit is going to go down. But no, it's Dick Van Dyke who's a piece of shit. And the mummy rules. So I liked that that was like, the magic of history is it just erases all Can badness. you stop fucking saying the magic of history? Jesus Christ. I that I can. It really seeped in there. Oh, God. I will say that uh, it's funny because if you've ever been to the Natural History Museum, one of the most like iconic 
physical spaces in the country, if not the world. The fact that we get this very bizarre, like, reimagining of it, where yeah. we keep, like, the front hall and a few of the exhibits, I guess, vaguely resemble their real-life counterparts. But, like, I mean, the the Egyptian section of the Met, <laughs> which I think they're referencing, I don't know, very odd. I, I like how weird, like, the portmanteau of museums gets. And, and, like, the physical space is, like, impossible to figure out just from watching this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, the, no. the editing is so aggressive that, like, it could be different galaxies, well, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's in the same way that you you really have talked a lot, and I also sort of appreciate. But I think this is one of your like you love a movie that defines its space, and like you know, like uh, Green Room is a perfect example of you know ex- when they leave the room, you know exactly where they are, you know where everybody is. This is the opposite, where it's like Star Wars, where they just like blast around to planets and you're like what the where are these people? What is going on? And they just like it's this magical world where you can go down any corridor and maybe it is due to the magic of history i'm not sure but you can just walk anywhere you want and you'll get to where you need to be speaking of the magic of history did you notice that for the first time in in 10 weeks of the show no one kissed during this fucking movie i was afraid i thought uh yeah i was she terrified. and he larry and oh god what was her name the rebecca. docent fucking rebecca the docent. yes uh that shit sucked too like in in the one hand uh robin king of horses was like oh i'm actually just a wax man so i don't really know anything i've just learned it and then secretary is a a, a valuable font of knowledge for her dissertation becca has an orgasm and she's like oh my god it's the real fucking thing and then she goes and like has a meaningful chat i do i do like that she's like i love you i'm your biggest fan sort of moment it that is was a funny cute moment yeah yeah i mean talk about the magic of history meeting second your hero sacagawea yeah of those unpopular dollar coins that tried to pass off on us and everyone was like you know what native american women not for us as a country we'd rather uh guys in wigs that's Let's right stick they, with that yeah i all, all i remember i do have a i do have a sacagawea story because i basically only pronounce it sagawaki now because on an episode of who wants to be a millionaire? Regis Philbin had a breakdown trying to like give the four answers. Like, who is the new person on the dollar coin? Is it A, George Washington? B, Sac... And he just like was like... He ended with Sakawagi. And that just like has just been in my brain ever since because I thought it was a strange moment on national television. Kind of the uh, Adele Dazeem of its, of its day. Wait, what's that? The wickedly talented Adele Dazeem. When uh, Travolta was supposed to say Adina Menzel and ended up saying Adele, uh, a complete, like, fucking melted mutant version of her name. The wickedly talented. So, yeah, it's just like it was, It was. I don't know. It brought me back to sitting on my couch with my brother and my dad and my sister watching uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. But that's the magic of history, I guess. It is the magic of history uh, of your personal life and your history. And, and don't we all have a history? And isn't this movie really about hist- history? history? Yeah. Um, so Ricky Gervais in this, what was your thought on, on the, the the British bad boy of atheism himself playing a mean – I like how surprised he is at children being uh, overly enthusiastic in a museum. So I – uh, first of all, I, I don't know that he's ever called out by name in the movie, but in the credits, his name is Bambi, which I think is really nice. No, they say his name a lot, remember? Because he keeps saying Mr. Asleep. I mean, this is not a gripping, it's no American Pie 5, certainly. 
No, it's not. You know, the the naked mile drew us in, even in horror. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, his introduction was. I'm not sure he pulled it off, but he's sort of like a. I don't know. I think he's more sort of like T, where when you first like a, maybe a. I don't know. I'm not a huge Earl Grey fan. Really, I love Earl Grey. Bergamot oil, I think, is delightful. And I I think that's what it is. Like initially, I'm sort of off put by it, sort of bitter, and it makes your mouth like the equivalent of clammy. But then as it sits there in front of me and I keep drinking it, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good. I think I just needed some time to like see Gervais really get into what it is to be Bambi. And I think by the end, I actually really liked his performance. I liked that he allowed a security guard who fucked up his museum to keep his job, even though he doesn't know that he's the cause of the mass marketing campaign to have dinosaur prints in the snow and well also the the media coverage of the uh, evidence of some sort of malfeasance at the museum is obviously a huge free promotional grand slam from the second it happens so well, that's what they said i do remember that line from the yeah they news praised report. the museum in the broadcast You're right had done themselves this time so like you would think that he'd be like this is a net this is a win but also the fact that I mean, there are so many MacGuffins in this movie that it just hurdles through things with a speed that I find fascinating. Where they're like, well, Hard Times in the Museum had to cut our three ancient security guards to one to protect this fucking, you know, interdimensional, massive, you know, interplanetary space that defies explanation. And they're like, again, he, he... there, in one, in the most heartbreaking moment in the movie, which is never explained, the Neanderthal melts into dust before his very eyes in a weirdly emotional, like moment. Well, no, that is explained. Kind of. I, mean, I like that. That's the moment. It's on. It is Josh. This is what I'm. This is all what I'm about. I really like that scene because in some movies it would have been like, even this is like it's sort of overexplained. He's talking to Teddy and he's like, I don't think I'm right for this job. And Teddy's like. You know, there's great people out there, or sometimes you just have to become great. So don't quit. And then he is about to quit, and he sees the man turn to dust. And he he's like, wow, I actually really loved that caveman. I don't want the caveman to be dust. So he keeps the keys and comes back for one more night at the museum. Were you concerned that this messaging around fire extinguisher foam was dangerous to a young audience yeah they could take it you think of you're you're not particularly concerned with young people just fucking hosing down their throats with some sweet <laughs> sweet foam yeah, yeah just get it right i think in you're there. not supposed to eat that i'm gonna be real with you yeah that was fun i really liked the ending uh the ending dance scene was really good i liked uh king tut doing his king tut dance i like okay that not king tut you're being racist king amun ra Oh, right. raw. Sorry, Egyptians um, are people too. I'm That's sorry, disgusting. Egyptians. Uh, I I think look Shakespeare, old Billy the Bard had it right. You got to finish a comedy with a dance scene. It's not complicated. I want to see Owen Wilson boogieing. I want to see Wait, Steve Coogan getting. Don't down. mention their names yet. Steve Coogan and Ow. Owen Wilson, Jebediah and Octavius. You didn't open that door. That is Creek. The- that's wow. Th- that is the the winning the winning combo of the movie, and I like. I think casting was like, I think casting was the biggest decision making that they went into. Obviously, the script is light at best. The camera work is fine. The CGI is passable. Well, it's written by Robert Ben Grant and Thomas Lennon of Reno Nine One One and the State, who are Weird. pretty irritating people in real life, but. This was one of the many mainstream comedies they wrote to great financial success. It's so uh, boring. Well, go, going back to the, the the MacGuffins of it all. Yeah. Like, okay, the entire premise 
of the plaque. I didn't even pick up on the – it came here in the 50s, never since then. Like then when they reintroduce that piece of information later on in the movie. No, they don't. They do. They bring it maybe, – Maybe we both – no, I'm saying they never really explain it. They're like, okay, I guess he does. You know, he says well, it's no, worth a fortune. It's weird because he's talking to Teddy Roosevelt and he goes – he mentions 50 years of looking at the one behind the glass. And I was like, that's oddly specific. I, did I miss something? Yeah, you did. That's when he – they that is when they explain it the first time then. Okay. Well, it, it, that whole it, – and it's like it's a magic tablet. This is what it does. It has very specific rules and that's that. And then we're, we're talking past the, the wildest part of the movie, which is Ben Stiller accepts the situation in this film so quickly. I would be dry heaving for days <laughs> if I saw even like an, a sliver of what he went through. But you're weak. He's strong. He's tiny. He's compact. How tall is – can you quickly look up how tall uh, a Ben Stiller is? You just said he's tall, he's compact, he's tiny. No, I said he's strong. Oh, I don't think... But he's compact. But that, that, that's not Ben Stiller's character at all. So that's not... You're, you're just saying that to say it. I'm just Nothing saying... Nothing about the, his identity as an actor. Well, I'm just uh, saying... Ben, as, Benjamin Edward Mira Stiller. He's 54. He's 5'7". Yeah, he's you could tell. Baby. Um, he's, I like that in the scene where he's like talking to the cowboy and cowboy keeps calling him Gargantua or whatever. And he's like, I'm not a giant. I'm average height. And I was like, Ben, stop kidding yourself. You're a shorty. You're always going to be a shorty. You're in the 5'7 club with Tom Cruise. Well, speaking of Tom Cruise, I don't know if you uh, did any research for this episode. Well, I, but, uh, I didn't do research, but I when the scene where he sprints across, I was like, wow, he looks just like Tom Cruise. And, and then, it turns out that's because he specifically referenced the the legendary run of little Tom Cruise, who is Hollywood's finest runner. He is. After No uh, one goes, runs like Tom. It goes Buster Keaton straight to Tom Cruise. No one in the middle took up that, ga- that ga- ga- gauntlet? No, mantle. The mantle. Gumlet. It's gumlet. No one since Buster Keaton stopped running in 1928, and no one picked up the gumtil yeah. until a little Tom came up and said, Hey, what's this Gumtel doing here? Well, it's cool that Tom Cruise has made running as a motif like the, some of the best parts of his movies. You I know? do love that. Like, th- that's really hard. That's, it's not easy to make running interesting. And I would say, you know, Point Break has one of my favorite running scenes ever. But pretty much every single Tom Cruise movie, I, I look forward the most to him ch- taking his little delicate body and just charging around rooftops and charging around cities. Well, and- Josh, I want to – I love you, Okay. I want to just get that clear. And I love you, Charles. That's a lovely thing you just said. And I hate to disagree with you, but I have to disagree with you, is that I think that maybe... I'm not going to disagree with you because I'm going to say this. Maybe running is boring in movie be- movies because most filmmakers think running is boring. But actually, if you think about like when the parkour scene hit, like most of those shots are just the people running. Tom Cruise knows that people running is fun. Buster Keaton knew it was fun. Honestly, that's why people watch sports is to see someone do something that just sort of brings out a different level of being a person where your physicality and mentality just sort of combine into one thing. And it is like just to see an extended running sequence. I think we all want that. Well, then also you think about the evolution of like the average pornographic experience for people. I think about that a lot. How we've gone as a society from like, you know, ooh, a busty Swedish nurse uh, does hand job or something. And and now as a society, we're like, you know, elbow deep, anal gate fisting, et cetera. It's like, well, yeah, like as a, any art form gets to a certain point, to bring it to that professional, fantastical, larger than life level, you want to see – you're not – you're not no longer trying to 
be that person. You're trying to see someone do something you can't do. Right. Like if sports was just you and me playing basketball, oh my like getting God. winded and hurting ourselves and just not doing a very good job, it'd be terrible. Yeah. So in all things, be it fisting, be it running, we want to see society move in a more aestheticized, articulated manner towards a greater level of transcendence. And I, I'm going to push it a little one step further in saying that when we watch a movie, we sort of enjoy the artifice of it. We understand that it's just light, basically. But when you and then the actors are memorizing lines or pulling back from experiences they've had to create lines, whether they're ad libbing or reading from a script. But when you run, there's no artifice there. That is how you move. That is what you do, especially when you're sprinting. Like that is, we get a much better sense of both Tom and Buster and Ben in those small moments of each of their movies than they do when they're just standing still. And, and yet when it comes to movies about actual running, you've got Chariots of Fire and then not much else, really. I mean, Tokyo Olympiad is a very amazing depiction of running and competition. But generally speaking, we, you know, we've seen very few movies about runners. That's well, true. Forrest Gump, the... I suppose Forrest Gump, uh, <laughs> but he no. does a bit, of a, a bit of a run in that but movie. I, he doesn't, it's not about that. It just, it's, it's, that is like, if we're talking about porn, like that's the porn version of a running movie. It just uses the running climax to just create a falsehood around it rather than actually explore what it means to be a runner. No, the climax is when Forrest's son doesn't have uh, a, a mental disability. Oh, um, there's that there's that one uh, Matrix short, the Animatrix short about a runner who blows up his legs and then cures himself from being a, a robot battery. Hey, remember, whoa, I know Kung Fu. Whoa, I know Kung Fu. I do remember that. That's from the Matrix. I remember that. that was, that was good. Now, that's a series. We should do that someday. You ever thought about that? Josh, I don't know if people are ready for 2021. 2020 has been a really bad year. We've all known it. The numbers did not line up. And not just for the podcast. Uh, even at, I guess what we're saying is even outside of the podcast, it was a year of great struggle. Yeah. But like, Alex just... Trebek died the morning of my wedding. That's not easy. How did you take it? What, what happened? Um, I, uh, we were in the middle. Uh, Allie was making her remarks to me, and I was checking my phone, and I cut her off, and I said, stop everything. Shut up. Shut up. Alex, a great, we've lost a great American today. Another great Alex down the toilet. Yeah. And then, you know, wailing, rending of garments. I rended Allison's dress for her to be gentlemanly. I rended my garment. Uh, you rented your garment? Well, it's Alex Trebek. I really liked your garment. I looked dope as fuck. I was so excited about that outfit and it, it, I really uh, delivered. So I was, while I was editing the podcast for last episode, you said you had huge news, and then we sort of got distracted. Was the huge news your your denim suit? What was the context of the huge news? I don't know. You sent me that. So you sent me a Facebook message that said something about Emmett wearing a vest, and then oh, I have huge news for the podcast. Then we got to the show, and you said I have huge news, and then I told the story about Emmett's vest. And then we sort of started talking about Emmett for a while. Well, Emmett was one of the more compelling characters. God, what was it? I remember I found out some piece of information or trivia about. God, I don't know. Wait, this so might the, just die on the vine. So this wasn't... I thought maybe it was... The huge news was your your all-white three-piece denim. No, no, this denim. was specific to American Pie Presents colon huh. girls' rules. So you don't remember what it was. Maybe you should have told me. Does Danny Trejo have any actual lines in that movie? No, that was pathetic. Was that like a, a payment thing where they it would have know. gone over there? Like they would have had to pay him more if he actually talked? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I really don't want to talk about American Pie. I mean, I'm sorry and I brought yet it up. you brought us back to the last I know, but episode, I just I so feel tough. You, that's remiss your fault. maybe that 
if I'm not maybe as excited about huge news from you, but some of our listeners might still be wondering what the huge news was. So I just there's no you, chance any of them remember this. This is 100 percent you dragging us down some pitfall that I think is 100 percent your fault. All right. Well, if you don't remember the huge news, we'll just let it go, and I'll, no one will ever know the news. Here's the huge news: I'm married now. Whoa! Previous episodes wasn't married. Wow! Now married. There was some previous episodes where you were almost married before this one. Um, I'm not counting, but I mean, uh, there were two stretches of various shows where I've been engaged, but this yeah. one culminated in marriage. So, I mean, you know, that's a, that's great. Look, Congrats. if we learned anything from this show, it's that sometimes over the course of any franchise, in this case, the the, the little movie series I call The Life of Josh. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a hard R, okay? Because let's just say I sometimes use bad language and there's occasional sex. Um, but uh, over the course of any franchise, you're going to have some wins, you're going to have some loses, okay? You're going to have some beta houses. You're going to have some, uh, I guess, not, not a lot of good movies in that series. Yeah. Well, maybe we should do a a bonus episode about running movies because off the top of my head, I thought of while you were talking about something else, uh, Run, Fat Boy, Run. And there was one now, that Did David out- Schwimmer direct that or write that? I don't know. Um, do, do, oh, I can look it up. I Run, Fat now, Boy, let's Run. Let's get back to Night at the Museum. Now, Night, in Night at the Museum, the museum is almost like a character in the movie. Well, yeah. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, it is David Schwimmer. It was David Schwimmer in 2008, two years after this. I was I was rewatching. Uh, I've been rewatching American Crime Story because Allie hasn't seen it, and uh, Schwimmer as Robert Kardashian in the first season is the best. If you haven't watched the compilation of him saying "juice" or "the juice" about O.J. Simpson, it is fantastic. Cool. I'll check it out. Um, anyway, but before we get back to the museum being a character. Um, well, almost like a character in the movie. Almost. Yeah, never mind. Let's just do that then, because I was just going to mention more running movies, but I can do that anytime, really. What do you think is good content for this podcast? Just from your vantage point, do you think idly thinking of running movies at the top of your head constitutes a good contribution to the show? Genuinely interested. Well, I thought of one, and then I was like, oh, there's that other one. But I, didn't, I couldn't quite remember the title yet, but I was... Jesus Christ. So Owen Wilson was only supposed to be a cameo, but audiences loved little Jedediah... Isn't it Jebediah normally? I, I found that confusing. I I, I'm used both. to Jebediah. No, I think there's a Jedediah too. Jedediah? It feels like you're stuttering. It does. I mean, that's one of the pitfalls of the name, but people use it anyway. Well, it looks like it's actually a Jewish name, so <laughs> egg on my face. Yeah. Are, are eggs kosher? Yeah, eggs are kosher. Some okay. people are a bit more like intense about that, and they want everything specifically to be kosher, because under some interpretations, some things are just implied to be kosher. Okay. I, I see. So if they're not mentioned by name, then... Hold on, hold on. This was the film debut of Rami Malek. This is his first yeah, movie. Yeah, I had a feeling. There's no way he's like... He, I don't know. He just looks so boyish in this movie. But to, to, to give him credit, I mean, he does pop. He pops. Like, when he... He pops so hard. You know, like, it, it, it makes sense that this was the beginning of... Now, let me ask you about a logical uh, cul-de-sac in this film. Amun-Ra learned Hunnish because his... Coffin was at Oxford or something or Cambridge? No, he learned English. I feel like neither of us fully... But then he also speaks Hunnish. Right. I don't know how he learned Hunnish. Uh, I do because he fucking says so. The scene that you're referencing, maybe he talks about both, but he says, he says something in English and then his little boy says, 
how can you speak English? That's exactly what I was thinking. And the little the, the, the little Rami says, well, I spent some time at Oxford, so I learned English while I was there. But he also mentions that he learned Hunnish while he was there. Mm. Can we not talk about Hunnish? I don't, I just imagine Ben Stiller just speaking in Asian syllables and it was that, that was pretty bad also look you're gonna have uh racism against asians and mickey rooney in a movie and not give it off to mickey he's the <laughs> fucking goat of of being racist oh, to asian people on. he's the legend who is your favorite of the oldsters oh bill cobb for sure yeah yeah i mean i, I love dick van dyke but bill cobb has like a certain he has that look in his eye you know i love it i i think mickey rooney is still just i think he's sort of terrifying and he reminds me too much of death for sure. me to like really enjoy his characters but uh well, he was always sort of like a he, he's an odd man and has always been an odd man yeah so seeing him like you know wither down into an odd gray raisin is is uh strange he looks sort of like a coconut his head looks like very hairy but it's as though he had the same amount of hair just got sort of spread all across his entire head yeah and then his body, I don't know, I don't want to body shame. He's just like, he isn't body shaming. He just reminds me of mortality in a way that no other like actor really does. And it's sort of, I don't know, Dick Van Dyke, still fucking sex god. And he was what, in his 80s when this came out? I mean. Yeah, he was 81 years old. He was in his 90s for the, the Mary Poppins remake. And he is like, does a fucking dance scene in that. It's incredible. Yeah. And that's not a very good movie, but he's the best part by a fucking head and shoulders. My great-grandmother was... And, and I ain't talking about the, the friggin' shampoo. <laughs> Josh, what do you think is good content for this podcast? Uh, ain't talking, I ain't talking about the shampoo. Well, my, my great-grandmother, um, she was still going to parties past midnight when she was 98 years old. She's, I don't know what it is. You know, some people just, they, they got that magic. Maybe it's the magic of history. I'm not sure. No, they just live differently in France. It's that French je ne sais quoi. Did, did Dick, did Dickie Van Dyke live in France? No, he didn't. So, hmm. uh, Jedediah does get a Brokeback Mountain joke in. Yeah. Which I was impressed by. Certainly, like, the t- like for a movie that basically doesn't do as many winks to the adult audience as a lot of movies like this. Like, this is mostly, we're watching a monkey slap Ben Stiller for a great length of time. Yeah. Do you ever think about how much that must have killed for, like, six-year-olds in the audience? Oh like, gosh. when Dexter's just slapping the shit out of fucking Larry, and you're like, if you're, like, six, you're lo- this is fucking Altamont. You're just, like, rioting. I can't even, this is, like, the sort of thing where I can't even imagine. Like, I, I saw this, I didn't see this movie. It came out the same month as Children of Men. Arguably a better movie. But I'm just saying, like... Uh, of course I didn't see this when it came out. I was not the target audience for Night at the Museum. Well, you must have been, like, 21 at the time? Um, Yeah, I was 21 years old. Right. So, no, you were not the target audience. Sleep easy. I was the ex- exact opposite. Because, like, when you get into your 40s, whether you have kids or not, or I guess if you just have a podcast where you sort of force yourself to watch stuff you might not normally, you can sort of wa- understand the grace of a Ben Stiller slapping a monkey or... I think we should just talk about it. Fucking Steve Coogan, Owen Wilson, and Ben Stiller, they are the only people that are acting together as a unit, I think. But Stiller is acting to a toothpick for most of his scenes with Owen Wilson. Wait, really? Is that actually what they did? Yeah, because they they they, they reshot a lot of stuff with Owen Wilson months after the fact. So 
Also, he's he's in miniature, so he's not there. There of anyone, they are not doing that. <laughs> so I guess no, but it's weird because the jokes are landing, and maybe that's just the power of an Owen Wilson more than a Ben Stiller. Because I don't know that scene where they're like, "You got to play nice, otherwise I'm going to lock you up." And just like that scene, the the way they talk to each other, I was I actually th- it was like one of the only funny parts in the movie. Well, just to step back, just to step back for a minute. This cast is crazy, and we often talk about how a first movie sets up a sandbox for other things to develop out of. This um, is that. And I will say that as far as spoilers in the title, the next movie is called Battle of the Smithsonian. So I think they've sort of shown their hand a little bit Whoop. about what's going to be happening in the next one. Quite quite specific there. Um, but just to step back for a minute, we've got Ben Stiller, Ricky Gervais, Steve Coogan, Owen Wilson, Teddy Roosevelt – as played by Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, okay. He's just wax, okay? Uh, Dick Van Dyke, Mickey Rooney, Bill Co- I mean, it's Paul Rudd. Yeah. It, it's pretty crazy. The bench is deep on this movie. Yeah. That's what I was saying from the, on the top of the show is that they didn't spend much time on the script. They didn't spend much time on the direction. They didn't spend much time on anything except for landing actors that would work in just kids' fantasy bonkers land. And Steve Coogan and Owen Wilson... You work. You work so well together. I want the spinoff. I want the like, you know how we got that dumb cat spinoff for Shrek? I want this spinoff so bad. I don't want a Hobbs and Shaw. Right. I want Jedediah and Octavius fucking. Yes. Like in Brokeback Mountain. I want the porn parody. Can I read you the most 2006 piece of uh, trivia I've ever read in my entire life? Let's hear it. Yeah. Major cinema chains in the UK pulled the film off their screens to protest 20th Century Fox's decision to release the DVD only three months after its theatrical debut. (gasps) Can you believe the nerve? The fucking nerve. That's disgusting. The nerve. Um, I just watched, uh, I just started season six of Buffy. That's a, a, a fascinating season. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm starting to feel a little like Buffy isn't doing what I want it to do anymore for me. The, so the, the tone of season six changes really dramatically, and it, it, I think the best parts of six are the really dark parts of six, and that's not what everyone wants out of Buffy. Well, we just started it, so I'm. I'm still hopeful. I'm, I'm actually. I lost a lot of hope when Giles fucking flew back to England. The fuck. He's why I watch the show basically. So I'm desperately waiting for him to fly back to Sunnydale. Um, no spoilers. So you already spoiled that his mom died and that Spike rapes Buffy, which hasn't happened yet. We're talking about a series that stopped production, like, at this point, over 15 20 years, years ago. 20 years ago, yeah. Right, so I think, I think I'm not losing a lot of sleep about Buffy spoilers. No, you don't need to. I'm just saying, to, don't try to tell me anything else. But we watched the episode immediately after this movie where they draw and quarter Buffy Bot. And in this movie, they they attempt to draw and quarter Ben Stiller. And I just, I've never seen so much drawing and quartering in all my life. What, oh, what? Charles, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? I don't know what's wrong with you. Tying ropes to people and motorcycles and driving off and ripping limbs off of Buffy bots. They're the ones, Huns even, grabbing... Ben Stiller by his ankles and wrists. See, you managed to connect that back to the movie with a little bit of prodding. I'm proud of you. You you made that come back to our actual topic of conversation. Well, you just weren't paying attention because I did it the first time, too. No, but then you drifted off at the end there, and I was just like, come on, man. Okay, you just wanted a, a bigger close. You wanted me to get the landing. I want a button. You got to give it a button, baby. You got to end big. Like, imagine a chase scene with a T-Rex 
and a friggin' toy car in Central what? Park with goddamn Vic Van fucking Dyke? Yeah. By the way, that guy's got BDE like a motherfucker. Yeah. You know he's packing a big old rod. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just know. You you, you can't see it. He hides oh, it. I'm so confident. I would put money on the table about this. Wait, you're talking Dickie Van Dykey. I'm talking Dick Van Dyke's dick. Do you think they measured it? Before his death? Yeah, or no, after it. I, mean, I don't he, know. Anytime. He's dead, right? Yeah, he died. He's dead. Okay. He made it a long way. Rip. Um, but I, I do, like, I, I like this this moment where maybe just, I don't know, through the magic of history, Owen Wilson doesn't need the remote control to drive the car anymore, even though he's an old West cowboy and there's a gladiator or something. They just instinctively know how to drive a remote control car from the inside. I really, I just, I don't know. I felt it. I felt that there was just magic everywhere. And I just wanted to go to a museum. And you know what? Fuck COVID. I can't go to a museum right now. I can't see the big whale. I can't see the little men in their hats. Here's the thing about museums. Are they that good? No, they're terrible. Yeah. I, I You know, I, as I get older, I, 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 sometimes I like a museum. But, like, my parents, like, really liked museums. It's such a boomer thing. So it's like wow. it's been a rough week for boomers in general. I can see this shit on my phone. Okay, like send me a JPEG. Well, people are always like, I just wandered around the Met all day every yeah. Sunday, and it's like, what the f- get a fucking hobby, motherfucker. Yeah, walking Jesus Christ, around, try to what? get some, try to get fucked, try to fuck, try to get stuffed or or be stuffed or stuff someone. I mean, just you know. God, Get try to grind a hobby. Out for, you know, yeah, like doing it with other people. Um, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, I don't ever want to go to a museum if I knew everything was alive. Sounds awful. So I'm, I, according to the trivia, this movie had ultimately a net impact that was very positive Aww. on the Museum of Natural History, which is nice, I guess. Why not? Um, but I, I would want to go way less if I was like, okay, as a kid, the the, the, the underwater room with the whales and shit, that oh. scared the piss out of me. Do you think that moment when the he goes into the squid in the whale room, it was you see, they already referenced Brokeback Mountain. Do you think that was a reference to the squid and the whale too? When no, the, the scene same... with, where someone comes into a library book. That's exactly, the, that's uh, it. Yeah. So that's so they were the the jacking off. That's scene. a wry nod. It's a wry nod to the squid and the whale. In the same way that the boy blasts one at the library, the the whale this time is blasting one into Owen Wilson. He gets a lot of shit on him. Nope, well, not shit. Not Owen Wilson, my guy. Sorry, Ben Stiller. Nope, not Ben Stiller. Wait, who gets blasted by the whale? Dick Van Dyke. He's trying to escape. Uh... Oh, yeah. I wasn't really paying attention, I guess. Yeah. I didn't remember. I mean, the it's monk- not a very good movie. <laughs> that said, I think it sets up like an interesting enough concept, I think. Like, I like, I think, again, I feel like. Maybe this is one of those examples of a franchise being able to better cash in on the principle later on. So we're going there. We're going there. You, I'm asking you. I'm asking I you. I am not yet asking when will it end because I feel like we've got a pretty insane cast put together. And I think the potential for the bit could go to interesting places. And, and in our experience of franchise films getting stranger uh, and, and more da- audacious as they go on, I'm interested to see where that takes this sandbox. Yes. So I – I'm in the same prediction. I'm also not asking when will it end. It was light. There were some moments of fun. But I think this is a big enough playground with definitely enough room on the table because basically all you need is the magic of history. And baby, we're there. So I think, especially, I don't, I haven't, I'm not going to look at anything. I don't know who's in the next movie. 
I'm hoping we get all the favorites back plus some more. Also, when did it come out? 2000 and like, was it soon after or was it years apart? I, I believe the second film comes out in 2008, 2009, excuse me. Great. So there's, there's a, they, they, they don't rush out a follow up. I think what I've learned from comedies from the early 2000s and late 90s is please give time before you make any sequels because that time period was not very good for comedies. So I'm, I'm actually, I think number three is going to be a really big winner if they get the right cast. It's probably what? That was probably 2014 or something? That's 2014. Now, interestingly, looking over the series, uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, which differs from Metacritic, which is interesting, uh, it only goes up from here critically, according to Rotten Tomatoes. And even Metacritic, you know, in, in Rotten Tomatoes, it's 43, 45, 47. Metacritic, it's 48, 42, 47, which is interesting. Cinema score, A minus, B plus, B plus. So, like, it would seem like reception-wise, unlike a lot of franchises we've covered, there really isn't this crazy up and down as far as audiences and critics. Now, there were ultimately diminishing returns at the box office. The first movie makes almost $600 million. That's crazy. And then $400 million and then $360 million. So, you know, there, there's a drop-off for sure. But critically and audience-wise, as far as people who actually saw it, I'm I'm interested to see what that means. Because usually we, we look at these series and it goes from a lot of enthusiasm to the fucking basement of critical reception. And that does not seem to be the case here. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think that might mean that it's going to... You keep taking off your ring. Is it already uncomfortable? No, no. My ring is... A, is so you've worn it for a day. I've worn it for uh, two days now. My ring I ordered from England. So <laughs> I had it, my ring, my finger sized in America. It's slightly too big. Oh, okay. So I have to get it resized. So right Good. now it's, it's just more... It's like it, I feel that it's too large. Is it so, nice? What is, what is it? Is what's going on with it again? It's got an engraving... Um, you well, got... it's got it's titanium titanium band with our initials engraved in it, and then on the outside it's uh, it's black opal and meteorite. Oh, is that Pikachu? No, wait. Yeah, there's there's Pokemon in it. Uh, there's Raichu. There's Blastoise. Uh, there's Slowpoke, Psyduck. Just my favorites. Which ones did uh, did Allison get? Same oh, I ones. Didn't... No, no, she she got like a gold band or some boring shit, and I was like, no, pokies? no, I'm getting a po- I'm getting a Pokemon ring for sure. Because they're pocket monsters, they go in your pocket. It's great. Hey, this one goes right on your finger. But I, I would get that resized because I found a ring at work. Um, we left it in the lost and found for the requisite time. I took it. It was a little too big, and I sort of liked it because I could play with it while I was, you know, doing my daily tasks, walking around. So jacking off? Well, I take it off to jack off. Really? That's, that's the rule. Take it off to jack off. That's a rule? I take everything off. Okay. But you leave your, your glasses on. Yeah. That's so not... you can see what's going on, so you don't miss <laughs> <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> I don't want to miss a thing. Don't want to close my eyes. Um, did you notice that I, I, we didn't even realize this, but the uh, production on the next movie has begun as of October. We keep walking right into this. We did this with American Pie, too. We had no idea we that did. there was going to be a Netflix movie yeah, coming out. Yeah, the fourth out. one uh, is going to be called uh, A Night at the Museum, colon, Kamun Ra, Rises Again. Bum, bum, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm not asking when will it end. I, I'm i hoping Owen Wilson, just like in the first one, they think he's not needed as much and bam, he gets launched into like basically... His, the billing in this movie is weird. It's like, it has Dick Van Dyke and 
it has the three old men ahead of basically everyone else. Which I find to be a strange casting decision to like put them so prominently on display when kids don't fucking know who Dick Van Dyke is. But I guess they don't know who any of these people are. A child in 2006, like watching the British office, I guess maybe, my brother maybe, but he was 30. They're going to be like, it's Bill Cobbs from, uh, <laughs> he played Louisiana Slim in The Hitter. <laughs> exactly. And Walter from The Brother from Another Planet. Right. It's just like, wow, weird choices. Um, Paul Rudd, who's maybe... He, he was Jack on the Michael Richards show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do find this interesting because these movies are... This movie's a pre-Iron Man movie. And I honestly, I think that's more... The diminishing return for investment on the sequels probably more comes into, like, why a John Carter wasn't made, why a National Treasure 3 wasn't made. Like, at this point, if you're not making established franchise shit that fan bases are just gonna go see it's hard to make a night at the museum like because there's nothing going on it's just history but but charles there's there's magic in history i know and i know that and you know that because we've watched this movie but going into it i didn't understand that you have to go into the movie to learn that you know what the best part of a movie like this is a 2006 movie what's that no one's on their dang phones Oh my god, I noticed that, but I didn't really you know what I mean? notice it. No one's on their dang phones. I just felt it, and then later I was like, oh wow, no one used a phone. Hey, so speaking of interesting, here are two of the worst pieces of trivia I've ever seen in my entire life in IMDb. Oh, I want to hear it. People talk about getting ratioed on Twitter, and that can be very embarrassing. Getting ratioed on IMDb trivia is also deeply humiliating, and I wish they attributed who put it in, because they should live in shame. So only 14 of 80 people found this interesting. One of the main characters in the film is named Teddy. Kim Raver, who plays Erica Daly, appeared in Grey's Anatomy as Teddy Altman. Wait, what? One of the actresses in this movie played a character named Teddy in another thing. Someone was uh, like, this, this is trivia. Wait, is this trivia? This is IMDb trivia, only 14 of 80 people, I think appropriately. I think those 14 people, one of them had to be the author, right? So it's 13 people, like, I guess, out of sympathy or accidentally. What's, we got that person's mom and dad, maybe a so, sibling yeah, or cousin. Barely, barely 10 people outside of those related to the author deigned to even hit the like on that. And here is an impressive four out of 32 found this interesting uh, Carlo Gugino's character is named Rebecca in this movie and in Son-in-Law, 1993. I, this is, I saw an article about like moments in film that you might have missed. And one of them was just like Adam Sandler always dates double V names in his movies. And it's like, how would anyone miss that? I don't know. I just Well, Vivian, Viveronica. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Rebecca, remember. Rebecca, two Vs in that. Uh, me and Allie, Allie had never seen Punch Drunk Love on, on our on our wedding <sighs> night uh, after uh, smooching and a sumptuous dinner. We watched uh, Roman Holiday and Punch Drunk Love. It's very romantic. Oh, that's really nice. We're that's our last one. Uh, Amy and I have been going through all the PTA movies, and we're ending with Punch Drunk Love. I'm very excited about, about that guy. He's good at making movies. He's fucking real good at making movies. Real good. Mm. There's so many similarities between Night at the movies. Museum and. Uh, phantom thread but we'll get into that in the next episode i would like to say i did like the little cheeky bit of fun they had with the the music in this movie i don't know if you noticed some of these but there's one where he sings or he's whistling a little bone song right when he's about to get attacked by the dinosaur 
Yeah, he's whistling first of the month at Bone Thugs and Harmony. Just like that. Uh, then they had a weird, like, elevator music version of Mandy right before he gets chased, or no, like, while he's getting chased by Attila Hunt, which do you think that that is where um, Refn got the idea for using Mandy in his extended uh, chase sequence in his Amazon Prime show? You're the one person who's actually seen that show and references it with the, like, dead fat, like the steadfast dedication that you bring to the Refn filmography. Um, yes, to answer your question, I'm certain Refn Sunday at the museum and was like, uh, you know, I've got a little... Uh, Wait, do, little... It, do, it in, do it in his voice, do it in his voice. I don't, I don't even know his voice. I was going to do he's a hurt or something. He's That's he's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. I I'm not going to, I'm not going to shame the good people of, I want to say Dutchland by doing a bad version of their beautiful accent. Okay, fine. Don't do it. It's Can I tell you one spoiler for the next movie? Eugene Levy's no. in it. Okay. Eugene Levy's in it. What? Uh, the great uh, Jim, Jim's dad is back. Wait, what are, you, are you on that like Wikipedia page or something? The, there's a Wikipedia page, an oddly thorough Wikipedia page for the trilogy. Well, soon to be quadrilogy. And I, I happened to scroll down too far. Oh, you just happened. Uh, you yeah. just happened to be on that page. Whoopsie doopsie. Uh, egg on my face, right? Egg on my fucking face. Again? Huh? How many eggs you got? I had eggs. Uh, I had three eggs for lunch with a couple of sausages today. So here's my prediction. Then you told me the title of the next movie. You've told me that Eugene Levy's in it. That bodes well, right? Uh, ben Stiller, Larry David, is so good at being a night guard. Night that he gets guard. promoted to work at the Smithsonian. Yes, that he that he's he goes he's like uh, Paul Blart. Mall cop. And Paul. Yeah, and Paul Blart too, where he gets recognized as a, as a really good mall cop. So he goes to a convention. Is that the plot of Paul Blart? Paul Blart. Paul Blart. Mark. You got this. Paul Blart. Mark. Paul Blart. Mall. You can do this. Paul Blart. Mall cop. You. Paul Blart. Mall cop. Can do it. Paul Blart. Mall cop. You can do this. Paul. 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 Mart, so close. Blart, but you can do this. Klopp. Paul Blart, Markop. Paul Blart, you can do this. Mall Cop Two. You did it. Wow, I feel pretty good. I, I, I'm going to sleep well tonight. I actually, speaking of sleeping, I watched uh, two thirds of this movie, then slept for two hours, and then I finished the last. <laughs> I I watched the whole movie, but maybe I did fall asleep a little bit and immediately passed out in the cutest possible way to nap. With your your own dick in your own mouth? Uh, no. I was I have one of those L couches or whatever they're called, sectionals. Sorry to brag, but I got one. Wink was sleeping on like a bed she'd constructed out of pillows and blankets so that her head was like almost in the corner. And I just I just snuck right in there and we just napped together. Two heads right next to each other. Two heads, better than one. Even if it's a dog head and a human head, there's still, it's better. Let's get down to business, Charles. We're talking imps, imps, MVPs. You can do it. You did it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously, without question, MVP goes to Owen Wilson. And I'm going to go ahead and give it to his partner, Steve Coogan. Uh, (laughs) I love it when we do this. It feels really good. good. It's nice. Who would you, who do you think? We always, we do this. We did it with the towers earlier. What do you think? Do you think we got to figure this out? We got to figure out our dynamic. Are you more of a, a gladiatorial coog? Uh, Are you more of a Wild West Owen? I think um, 
I feel like my attitude with you is often, come on, man. So you, you when I'm annoyed when, when I'm annoyed with you and we're not getting along, I do a lot of like, come come on, man. And so I feel like I'm more of an Owen. I do think I'm more of a chiller, but he isn't super chill in this movie. He sort of has the chiller no, voice. No, he's pretty on edge. But he's pretty on edge. He wants to fight, and I think that's true. I think they both want to fight, but Owen is like it's in his blood and drive to fight. Where Coogan sort of just has the. You know, like the British, it's funny how like Romans have been so contextualized through British movies and British accents that like we just sort of assume that Romans are British people. But yeah, they're just like, oh, it's bureaucratic. I'm just, I just want to bust this wall down, you know, Westwood Ho. Wait, that's Owen. Maybe I'm Owen. I think what you're saying is that we're both Owen and that's fine because we're both American and we both believe in Manifest Destiny. And uh, I will say the running bit of uh, – and Ant-Man plums this to the greatest possible depths uh, eventually. But the the scale of their dramatic exploits is yeah. funny and they pull off those jokes. That was another Ant-Man connection that I felt and I was like, oh, Ant-Man did this way better. But in 2006, I would have been fucking busting a gut, going to the hospital, getting a new gut inserted – Going back, because I made the projection is pause the picture, like I always do. Get that spool going, bust that new gut. Have to get another one. It was so fucking funny. And honestly, guts in this economy, not cheap. But what about 2006? Uh, I mean, God, that was the war economy, baby. Bush had us roaring. So we've got our MVPs. We've done the win and end. Let's... Let's uh, let's draw the episode to a close by talking about uh, our own personal museum memories. Charles, do you have any uh, – t- if you could – oh, here's a good one. Is there anyone from history you would want to step out of history and into your low-paying night job? And by the way, he's making like eleven seventy-five an hour in this. He's right. He's not getting p- compensated remotely enough. Before I answer your question, I do enjoy that this movie, we got a Bonds trader, you know? Paul Rudd. You got his wife, who seems to have a house that's very, you know. Well, she's wealthy. a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Okay, I missed that part. Because Paul Rudd's like she had to go to court early. Right. Like then you you have an understanding of why this son is embarrassed to have his deadbeat dad. But you know what? I liked that this movie in 2006 had the guts to have a son be okay with his dad being a just slightly more than the state minimum wage job. Because there's fucking magic in history. I would say if I went to a museum and I wanted someone to pop out like a Harry Potter painting or something, I think I'd want... I already so This de- definitely got rid of some people. Teddy Roosevelt, hard no. I like that at least they made... Uh, Lewis and Clark... Yeah, at least they were just complete idiots. So I, I did like that they were in there. But most of the people in this one, I'm not a super fan of. I think I'd want maybe get a little Hitler baby and just strangle it right at the museum. You'd want a representation of Hitler as a baby. Oh, right. To come to life. It's not the real thing. Because I, I, I was like, what is your perception the... of museums? They, they don't. You can't have Hitler baby in the museum because Hitler the man died as a man. Well, so, I, was, I was thinking there would be a little wax Hitler baby in the little wax Hitler land, but I was just trying to get around. Do the, you think that there's a museum called Hitler land? Probably, Josh. It is 2020. 
I'm going to Google that. Okay, please don't. <laughs> please. Okay, there is a book called Hitler Land, but that's a book. It's not a place. Well, anyway, I was just trying to get around making a time machine. I thought, oh, I guess if I can get a, a guy from history back, I don't have to go back in time when Hitler was a baby. I can just get the baby here. Hitler Amusement Park. Um, German theme park shuts swastika-shaped ride. Jiminy Crickets. Jesus Christ. See, this is why I didn't want you to do that. That, that was 2019. Oh, I don't know, man. I, I'll, t- I'll take a monkey or something. That was fun. You know, I get pissed yeah, monkeys on. are fun. As a kid, I loved the arms and armor part of uh, the map. Oh. So it, it'd be fucking dope to see some crazy-ass knights doing their goddamn-ass thing. Did you have those eyewitness books? Oh, fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that, I fucking loved that shit. The arms and armor one was one of my faves. I, ha- I was super into knights when I was a kid. I would have loved... There weren't enough knights. Maybe there'll be more knights in the next one. Hey, we can dream... There's magic everywhere, but especially... In history. Well, as a kid, I, I was like, I'm either going to be a cowboy or a knight. That's for fucking sure. And when you grew up? or just, uh, Public wait, radio journalist. But wait, that's, when, what, when, so that, that's what came out at the end. Yeah. Well, when, when you were a kid, what was your goal? Like, you're like, oh, I really want to be a cowboy or a knight. But what were you thinking? Like... What was I, I just... That's what I was thinking. What do you mean? What, well, that's, that's what I was thinking. But like, in what context? You just wanted to, like, go be one, even though they don't... Ex- I was like, if there's an opening for a knight or a cowboy, I'll go out for it and see you're what really, happens. You're like this boy who's like, I like hockey, but I got a fallback to be a Bond guy. You were thinking big back then. Well, no, it's more like I like hockey, but I don't want to skate. That's a way more accurate representation of me as a young person. I was like, I, I like the idea of being... Something, but I don't really want to do the middle part, which seems annoying. Mm. Yeah. And that's, they never tell you this as a kid. You want to gravitate towards something you like to actually do, not an idea of something that seems cool. Right. No, I, I, I feel you. I, I love baseball. I played baseball for years. And then when it got hard and boring, I quit. Yeah. Because, you know, the idea of it was nice. And fucking putting that jock strap on every goddamn day. God, people talk about the ties, but when you think about it, I think the jock strap is the tie of the sport. I don't know. What do you think about the dress for the job you want thing? Like if I dressed in chaps all day, would I become a cowboy? That'd be really funny. Yeah, that'd be really good. I mean, I hope you do it. I don't care what happens at the end, but I just would love to see this. You think it's something I could do? Yeah, I know it. I know it's something you can do. Be a cowboy? I could be a cowboy. I think I still got it. I'm told riding a horsey hurts your butt. I, I have no idea. I think that's the, another thing we talk about, like how you, we think of the British as being Roman and equated. Like riding a horse seems so easy because just in movies, everyone knows how to just ride a goddamn horse. And but I think in seems, real life, it hurts your little butt. I think it hurts your butt, and it's very hard to stay on. You have to like I don't know if there's one thing I've learned from Cormac McCarthy. Well, I've learned a lot from Cormac. Cormac, I haven't learned how to, clip clop, learn, clip clop clip clop. But there's a there's a fucking bond, man, between a cowboy and his horse. What's what's that? You think that's they're just like really good pals? Oh God, they're more than pals. They're like really good pals. Like you imagine a pal. Think of your favorite pal. I'm thinking of a pal. I mean, I I did recently name you my best man for my bachelor party. Yeah, so I'm you're in the running. You're up there, dog. So here's the thing: if I were a horse, I would always be your best best your best man horse. Like even though it's not. It's complicated. I'm just so here's a comedy, okay? I'm a man. My best friend's a horse. The horse has a bachelor party, and you call it mess mess band. What'd you call that? Mess band? That's that's not a horse joke, though. 
That's why I asked you. What would you? What would you I, I'm obviously. What you call? Um, I'm not good at calling let it. Let me see. So. I guess there's like a nay joke. There's always like with a horse, you always have the potential for a nay joke. I guess so. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to tie it all together. So wait, um, tell me the plot again. You're a man, and you love your horse. I'm a man. My best friend is a horse, or it gets turned into a horse, and the horse has to throw a bachelor party. So it would have to be something about being a best, the best man. What's a horse joke about marriage? We can end after we figure out that. Okay. Well, hey, everyone listening, at least you know the end is nay. Ugh. That's it. We're shooting in the zone, though. Horse puns. I'm going to search for horse puns. Do you think this is how the big guys do it? Yeah, definitely. They just, they just like... They just Google everything, like how, how you write a script these days, just Google everything. Well, Spur of the Moment is a classic. Stable, Pony Up. I think you have to do marriage horse jokes. Hoofing it. That's a hoof? Oh, yeah. Hoofing it. What, is that not a marriage thing? Okay. Uh, main, he, the main man? The main man. That's probably it, right? Oh, that's good. That's the main man? <laughs> that's really Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> this summer, Vince Vaughn is the main man. Vince Vaughn here, is a horse. Here he looks like a horse. He looks like a horse, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. come on, drink this beer and have sex. What are you, gay? But he's a horse, and it's yeah. great. Oh, my God. This is good. Do you think he's going so to be a voice acting for a CGI, or is he going to be one of those guys that wears like the ass end of a horse and another guy wears the no, front no, end of a horse? No, it's not a pantomime horse situation. It's, it's, a, it's a photorealistic CGI John Favreau-directed horse like from Lion King. Uh, and he has to throw a bachelor party for his best friend, and his best friend has to be someone who's like boring enough and like doesn't take the spotlight away. Yeah, who would that be? Maybe uh, who's that guy? Maybe that like was... Jeremy Renner, but like in a smaller role. Yeah, I was thinking, um, who's the guy from Game Night? Oh, uh, 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 Jason Bateman. Yeah, I think Jason Bateman might be a good like foil to a Vince Vaughn horse. And here's the trailer. Let me get this straight. Your best friend is a horse. <laughs> and he's like, I-, I I know what it sounds like. <laughs> That's good. All right. Okay. Well, this is Josh and Charles from Unworld End saying uh, we will see you once our first treatment of the main man is done. I I think if we write this with Vince Vaughn in mind, maybe we can get it across his desk, so to speak. I'm in. Um, I'm going to work on the poster at work tomorrow. I'll get you something. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, until next time, support the Patreon for more cutting edge comment like the development of the main man. And we're not losing this. We're gonna we're gonna write this script. I think this has to happen now. <laughs> this would be amazing if yeah. Uh, the yeah Josh and Charles presents the main man. Yeah. So you know, rein it in, step into the stable, and take the ride of your life with the main man this summer, starring Vince Vaughn. Wow. These are, but, but don't maybe we shouldn't use those because those are really good maybe sequel names. But I don't know. We'll 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 figure it out. Okay. I've heard of hold your horses, but hold your best man. <laughs> that's pretty good right <laughs> yeah that's really good okay write that down <laughs> these are good i'm writing it all down yeah okay uh join us next week for uh american pie presents colon night at the museum colon battle of the smithsonian <laughs> <laughs> He's pre rolling, he's pre rolling, cause I'm pre rolling, cause I'm pre rolling, cause I'm pre rolling, he's a good boy. 
Rolls before episode starts. She's a good partner in recording the podcast. Uh, ready to start? Yeah, those are all true things. 